today. I'm glad that uh, we get to experience this together. I thought my wife, when she came up and closed the worship, I thought she was just going to take over and preach, man. She was like both barrels. I was fixing to just turn off my mic and sit down. I'm like, you just have to go with it like that. I like that. I like a little enthusiasm in there or a lot of enthusiasm in there. Well, if you have an orange bulletin, grab your orange bulletin, man, because we have, uh, well, God has an awesome message for today. I really believe that. Um, I'm glad everybody's here today. Welcome, welcome to South Point. Uh, pray, pray, pray. Our staff, our leadership prays every week that through this service, uh, through the worship, the message, all of it, that God speaks to your heart. Because, well, you can hear some incredible messages in your life and never even remember what the messages are. But if God can speak to your heart, he can turn your entire outlook of life around without ever verbally saying anything. Just you knowing that he speaks to your heart. That's what we pray every week. I want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook. We pray for the same thing for you. Everybody watching online, we pray that God speaks to your heart. Amen? Yeah, wherever that's at, uh, throughout the week, throughout the month, we pray that God would speak to them. Um, super excited about today's message because I get to, I'm going to start it with... Uh, uh, a good little Q&A and, and a story. How many of you like to fish? How many like like enjoy it? How many of you don't get to fish enough? How many of you never fish again is totally cool? All right. Yeah, there's both sides of that. I, I The summer before I met my, met my wife, I probably fished every day that summer. Like I grew up hunting and fishing and exclamation point on fishing. In fact, my vehicle would always have at least part of a fishing pole and some fishing tackle in it because if I was on the way home from work or home from school and ran across a pond or a creek or anywhere that, you know, the Spirit spoke to me and said there could be some fish in there, you better believe I'm hopping the fence and going to go check that out. Um, now let me ask this question. How many have ever been noodling before? Come on, chickens, raise your hands. They'll know we're rednecks. We're in Oklahoma, all right? Um, well, I, I grew up hunting and fishing, ran trot lines, jug lines. I thought I had done it all, except once I was upper high school, like 11th and 12th grade, I, a good friend of mine, Jeff, um, Jeff is actually a part-time youth pastor in the large metropolis of Sharon, Oklahoma. It's a little, little place south of Woodward up there in the middle of nowhere. And Jeff's uncle, Roger, took us fishing a couple of times except for Roger didn't like to use a line or a pole. Uh, he liked to noodle. And I'd heard stories about Roger before. So in the first couple of times, they were taking it easy on me because I was the, the only one in the group that had never noodled. Now, if, for those of you that don't know what noodling is, noodling is when you get somewhere in the water, under rocks, in logs, in the holes in the banks of rivers, all kinds of stuff, and you use your hands, and you reach in there, and you fill a fish. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's a bright idea. You fill what's in the hole, and you grab it, and you pull it out, all right? <laughs> this is just dumb, though, me even hearing it out of my own mouth. It's like, why would anybody do this? But Roger had, he had some pictures with giant, like 50, 60-pound catfish, flatheads, I mean, the, the big fish out of the, the lake and the rivers. So the first couple of times we went fishing with, with Roger, um, they just let me hang out. And uh, we, we would, you know, walk in, we would be walking down the South Canadian River, just shorts, tennis shoes, ball cap, and gloves. And the reason you wear gloves is, anybody know the reason? Yeah, because those fish have teeth. 
just getting dumber by the minute, isn't it? And, and you would have a stringer. You'd have a little rope stringer in your back pocket. Uh, that's the title of the message today, Fill in the Stringer. We'll get to that in a minute. But you have a little rope stringer because the big ones, you didn't want to just grab them and pull them out. You actually wanted to fish that stringer through their gills and tie it off first because they would sit there, move around a little bit. But they'd sit there, And that way you'd get your hands around that rope and come up and get you some air and get the big ones out. And, of course, if I'm going to be gutsy enough, to go Newland, I want, I want the big one. So the, the first couple of times we'd just walk the river, they would go in like log jams that were out in the river and stuff. And I always, I'd always heard you don't do that because there could be snakes and beavers and all, except with bigger teeth, you know, like you don't do that. But I got to where I could go, like we'd, we'd find a stump and I could reach down in the stump, you know, and, and find, a, find a catfish and pull that out. I thought I was the cool, I thought I was Crocodile Dundee all over again. And I got to where I was filling of the, the holes in the bank. You know, you can't use your gloves at first because you actually learn there are different textures to the holes depending on what critter's living in the hole. If that's an entrance and exit, if that's a, it's a home, whatever it is. So you have to use your bare hands to fill. Better by the minute, isn't it? Your bare hands. And then once you figure out, oh, this, I think there's a fish in here, or you actually bump your hand into a fish, um, you put your gloves on and, and get after it. So we had probably been, over a couple of years, we'd probably been a half dozen times with me. They'd been, they, they go every week. And they said, hey, we're going to go to this place on the river that's supposed to have some big fish. Do you want to go with us? And I'm like, sure. I don't have anything to do. You know, I'm about 19, 20 years old. Let's go. So we show up, get ready, get our stringer in our back pocket, our gloves in the other pocket, head off Redneckville right down into the creek. And uh, we get in there, and this was the day, this was my last day noodling, all right? This, this, one, this one changed me. I use fishing poles now, okay? Long distance, all right? Get out there. That's cool. Uh, if, when you get this close to me, I want you to have a hook in your mouth, all right? That's the way we're going to work. But this day, so we're an hour or so in, we've caught a couple little, you know, five, six, seven pound catfish, that type of stuff. And then Roger hollers and he said, hey, I've got a big one. So everybody kind of migrates over to the big, the bank was real tall. The water's probably waist deep, three or four feet tall or deep. And then the bank goes up though, like I can just barely reach it. So nine or 10 feet, not, not that you could jump up there and save yourself. That's in my mind. Okay. If you needed to, all right. If you get like dragon after you or something and he gets, he goes in this hole his, his whole upper torso, he goes in this hole after this fish, and his feet start jerking like a, a, the Jaws movie, you know. Well, I'm looking for an exit. Roger, you bit that off on your own. Have fun, you know, and I'm looking for an exit. And he comes out, and he's like, has the clay, you know, from the hole, the mud clay, just smeared all over him where he's just been smacked against the wall. And he's so excited. He goes, it's a big one. I mean, like 50, 60 pounders. He said, okay, here's what we're going to do. There's just three of us, Roger, Jeff, and me. And I've heard these stories before, and I've already committed in my mind, I don't like these fish anyways. I'm not, I'm not going to eat them. I'm going to give them to him. Why am I in this? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Well, Roger says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get my gloves. I'm going to get my rope, and I'm going in. And then, Jeff, you grab my ankles, all right, and follow me in. I know it. And then, and Scott, since, since we just have three, then you grab Jeff's ankles if he needs to go in all, all the way and you hold me. And when you feel us tug like that, like on Jaws, when you feel us tug, you start backing up and you pull us out. That sounds like a genius plan, doesn't it? 
And I'm not kidding you. I mean, I, I, I've grabbed a hold of 30 and 40 pound fish before. I've held them up for pictures. Not that I caught them, but I held them up for pictures. I'm, I'm not afraid that they're going to kill me out in the water. But in their hole, who knows what they have stashed back in there? You know, maybe a whole colony of them back there. Just pull people in and eat them one by one. You know, however that works. Well, against my better judgment, I said, okay, we'll do this. But y'all realize, like, because I, I just been certified in scuba diving. I had done some cave diving. And I, I, I kind of understood holding your breath. I'm like, you understand, like you go in there because so, Roger's about that deep, you know, so here we are on this line. So if I'm here at the table, here, here's Jeff, and then Roger is about here. So the fish is about here from me that far. And you know that hole's only about this big. So if you get in here and get wedged sideways or whatever, you're dead, right? Right, Roger? Yeah, he can't do that to me. I'm not going to do it. You already got clay smeared all over. He did it once. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I just have bad feelings about this. It's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one, two, three, you push me. And then one, two, three, you push Jeff. He'll grab me. That way we, we save a second or two on the crawling in. And then when you feel us tug, you, you get us. All right, you pull us out. So now these two men's lives are in my hands in my armpits. And so I'm, I'm leaning against the banks right here. Roger gets, you know, three or four breaths. He goes, Jeff's with him, three or four breaths. He goes, and I just step in and I, I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to break his feet off, you know, and I'm just like, water's running by, running by me, you know, I'm just holding on, look like a total goop standing there. And all of a sudden I kind of feel him moving around and stuff. And then Jeff's feet just go, I love you guys, but I'm not going in the hole. Two's already dead. That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> You're not going to get the third guy. And so here's how far I go. Like I'm reaching up in there, you know, going like that, trying to figure out, like, what is going on in here? And I guess it was a little lower because it was in the water because where the hole was. So I'm like, and I'm looking. You can't see anything. I'm reaching in there, feeling. I'm going in halfway, which is the most I've ever gone in anything like that. I'm going in halfway. <laughs> trying to feel, come up. I'm like, before cell phones, do I drive to town and get a cell phone? Do I abandon these guys? Like what? And it's the longest four or five seconds of my life. Jeff comes out in the middle of laughing. Blah, comes out of the water, ah, smeared with mud and clay all over. And he comes out and he goes, there's a big one in there. I think Roger's got him. And I'm thinking, it's my last day doing this right here. All of a sudden, probably by the time he went, it probably were over a minute now of Roger being in there. He comes out totally pulling clay mud out of his hair, out of his eyes. And he goes, whew, and he holds up the rope. And he goes, he's on the other end. I'm like, you guys need your own show. This is incredible. Like, this is unheard of. Why haven't I ever seen this on a show before? And so we all get that rope and pull him out. And it was about a 45, 50-pound, big old flathead that was in there. And I said, hey, I'm going to go get in my car. You guys have a blast. Tell me stories. I'm never doing this again. And I left. Because that's it for me. How many want to go noodling now? Yeah. Can I be honest with you? I haven't even had the urge to go noodling ever since. 30 years? No, I'm good. That's cool. I will watch it. I may even stand on the bank and look down at him, except for if you're going to go in the hole, because that freaks me out too much. I'm thinking that he's got you sticking out and your little legs out of his mouth and all that. I'm not going to do that. Well, 
today, this message, we're going to talk about how to fill a stringer the spiritual way, not noodling, all right? Now, I'm all good with using a, a fishing pole. I love that. I still love to fish. Nobody in my family does, but I still love to fish. Here's what's great about that. If you've ever had the hunk, uh, hankering to fish, the urge to fish, the urge, even if you've never fished, and thought, I wonder what that would be like reeling in a marlin or a, you know, a big swordfish or something like something really cool. What would that be like? That's the exact analogy that Jesus uses when we're a part of somebody else, else's salvation. When we're a part of somebody else coming to know Jesus like you know him, it's just like that. In fact, when Jesus walked along the shore, let me, let me read you a scripture. Matthew 4, this is Jesus' main agenda from the beginning of his ministry. He set fishing as his main agenda. Don't you just love Jesus more every day? Listen to this. Matthew 4.18 says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name is Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for men. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. Let me just say, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, us fishing, you know, just an analogy, us being a part of other people's salvation is the plan. There's no backup. There's no angels coming down in herds to convince people. There's no, Jesus shows up on the last day of every month and it just kind of demonstrates some miracles. Not that. His plan is this, for you and I to be the light, to be the fishermen and reel people in, to be a part of their salvation. And you think about, you think about some of the stories Jesus tells all through his ministry. In fact, one of my favorites in Luke 15, when he talks about three times in the, that chapter, he says, he talks about the lost sheep. You remember that one? There's even a song we've been singing, um, rec, rec, let's say Reckless Love, about him leaving the 99 to go search for the one. The very next story is about the lost coin, about a lady just tearing up her house to find her lost coin. And Jesus said, that's the kingdom of heaven. One more time, how about the lost son is the last story in that chapter. And again, Jesus said, this is like the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we don't, we don't address that enough, but can I, can I draw a really stark analogy? All of us with kids, let me, let me help you out real quick. Because if you have more than one kid, even if you just have one, but if, especially if you have more than one, and that kid gets lost, and you don't know where they're at, do you just go, well, I got the rest. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, three out of four ain't bad, right? <laughs> Nobody does that, right? You go, stay here. Y'all are cool. And you don't worry about them at all, right? You get the analogy? You go fishing. You go see what you can do to find that other kid. That's what is close to God's heart. That's why he tells me and you, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you, that we've been talking about this all summer. I'm going to give you my spirit in your life. That's our goal is to learn to follow the spirit better. I'm going to give you spiritual gifts in your life. Things that, that you can have insight into people's situations. That you can, the gifts of mercy or whatever the situation is. And all of that, all of that rolled together is not for all of us exclusively. It's mainly to go fishing. Did you know that? It's mainly for us to go fishing. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not going noodling anymore, all right? I'm done with that. I don't have the urge to that. But when I hear Jesus talk about, I want to teach you to fish for men, whether you're a fisher person or not, can I just tell you that that's his heart? 
He wants you to learn how to use the gifts and abilities, the bait, if you want to just be really raw. The things that will attract other people, the things that will speak into their life. He wants you to use those things so that people will look at you. We're going to read the scripture a minute. It's so good. People will look at you and go, what's going on in your life? What, what, what's different about you? How come you go to different places than me or don't go to the same places I go to or do the same thing? What, like, how come you act this way when the boss comes in and we're all acting this way? Whatever the situation is, that they'll actually ask you, and God's word says, then I will give you, through God's spirit, I'll give you the courage and the words to tell somebody exactly why you do what you do. That's what fishing is, that you would be a part in their lives. So today I want to I wanna take a couple of real practical things and break it down for us to share about our lives with other people. Is that not one of the most scary things that we ever do? Not noodling anymore, that's out of my life, all right? It's sharing our faith, especially with people. Like I used to think, I used to think if I share with people I love and I'm close to, that would be the easiest. And I come to find out that that's actually the hardest. The people that I care about the most that I know need Jesus, those are the hardest to share because they're around me all the time. They know my, that I'm not perfect either, but they also know what Jesus has been doing in my life for a long period of time now. So today we're going to talk about that. Listen, listen to what he says in 1 Peter about this. He says this, but you are, everybody say, I am. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. I am, but you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for a high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made in you. From nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Woo! That's good stuff right there. I know it's not preaching like Jenny preached earlier, but that's still good stuff right there. That, that's what he wants us to do. And sometimes, and listen, I'm going to be real honest. Sometimes when we hear this, the first thing we think of is, I cannot explain the Bible. Like, I don't know how Jonah held his breath for three days. I don't know how all the animals on the planet fit into that boat. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start thinking, of, people are going to ask me those things. That's not what it's here for. I'm going to explain that to you today. That's not what all we need to share. That's for Bible teachers and, and apologetics people and theologians. Let them handle all the details. You know what you need to worry about? Here's, here's the greatest advice. I give it to my kids all the time, and God gives it right back to me. Just worry about you. Just worry about what God's done in you. Just know what God's done in you, and you can change the people around you. Amen? Woo! Give your neighbor a fist bump and say, I'm ready for this. All right, so here we go. Let me, let me tell you how we're going to fill a stringer at South Point. All right? Have you ever held a full stringer? For a fisherman, that's as good as it gets. And I pray that God would give us the heart, the heart spiritually, to want to see one, two, or Three people in our lives. You know, most, they say that over 90% of all Christians never are a part of somebody else coming to Christ. That's sad, isn't it? But that other 10%, I'm just going to say that's going to be South Point in the future. Amen? Woo, I love it. All right, so the first way we're going to fill a stringer today is we're going to share the hope we have. All right, easy one. We're going to share the hope we have. We're going to tell our story. Tell what, how I came to Jesus what he did in my life, how I've been different, that kind of stuff. We're just, we're just going to share your story. You don't have to talk about all the animals. Did Adam have a belly button? Who knows? You know, why, how not, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to worry about that. You just worry about your story. L listen to this verse, and I, I love First Peter again. This is the next chapter that we just read. But if your heart's 
But if your hearts revere Christ as Lord, so here we go. That's the setup. If, if, if you're in love with Jesus, here we go. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness, respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Just do this so that people can't hold anything against you. Don't dog what somebody else is doing. You just talk about what God's done in your life. Amen? The Bible tells us that that's good enough. That's the bait. You know, when you go fishing, you don't go, hey, everybody else's bait is terrible. You just present the best bait you can. And the best bait is your life, is your life. Oh, that's why so many of my stories, so many of my stories are from, from or at least my salvation stories are from my, right when I got saved, those first couple of years. Because that's when everybody around me knew the old Scott. And I was able to connect the dots, like daily sometimes, on what God did in the old Scott to make him the new Scott. Does that make sense? And even now when I go explain like my, neighbors or whatever that I've known for a couple of years, when I explain who I was, they don't get that because they only know the current Scott, but I have to explain that. So when we share that hope, let me, let me give you three real quick, three quick ways to do that. It's kind of the, the BCU, right, before Christ, when you met Christ, and after. So here's what it is. One is how I realized I needed Christ, all right? Your version, not Scott's version, your version. This is how you share the hope we have. How, how I realized I needed Jesus, well, for me, it was, I thought if I didn't have any rules in life, that that, that was going to be the most fun, the most freedom, no rules. But after 23 years of no rules, I figured out that's not the most fun. <laughs> that's the most trouble I can get in. And what I came back to was the one person in my life, the one Christian that was real, that wasn't telling me what I was doing was wrong, but he kept telling me God had a plan for my life, my cousin. That's who I reached out to. So the first is, when did you realize you needed Christ? Your version. The second under that is how I committed my life to Christ. Oh, that's so good. You know, and I tell people, when I tell my story about, you know, I was at a party in college. We had a shootout with guns and people ran for their lives and cops showed up and I cried and prayed. People go, oh, I wish I had a story like that. And I'm like, no, they call most of those people statistics. You don't want a story like that. You may tell you the greatest story of all, the greatest testimonies of all are the ones where the people say, well, you know, I served God my whole childhood, and, you know, my parents taught me right, and, man, at, at 12 years old or, or at 16 years old or, or 20 years old, there was a why in the road. And I had a choice to go the way that I was raised, to go the way that I'd, I'd been following, or to go the world's way and trust them. And that day, I said, for the rest of my life, it doesn't matter what situation I'm going through, for the rest of my life, I'm going to stay on God's path and I choose God. That's the greatest testimony ever. I didn't, don't veer away from that. Stay on that. And whatever your testimony is, whatever that time is when you said, you know what, I'm going to choose to follow Christ. That's your story. Use that to tell people. Because they know you, it will be hugely impacting in their life. And then the third one under that is the difference it made in your life. Sometimes it's, it's difficult for me to, tell somebody that didn't know the B.C. Scott who the B.C. Scott was, the bad characteristics of me. But I, I have to do that because I have to say, here's what it is without Jesus. This was Scott without Jesus. The guy you know now, I'll give all the credit to Jesus in my life. You understand that? Like, let them see the contrast 
before Christ, I, I was sad, I was alone, I was worried, I was mad, whatever that was. And now, God has helped me to mature through that. God has helped me to grow through that. He's helped me to be kind or confident or whatever your story is. Share the hope that we have. Amen? Man, we're going to fill some stringers. I like to call them rows of chairs, but we're going to fill some stringers at South Point. Second one is this, share my church. You know, at South Point, we work really hard. We really do, consciously, every single week. We have meetings, we, we rehearse, we do all kinds, of, we learn, we go to conferences, whatever it is, to make sure that our services are about, that, that Christians and non-Christians could sit in this service and get something out of it. It's important for that. It's important that as a church, I don't stand up here or whoever speaks, worship leaders, pastors, whoever, that we don't come, off, come across as what we stand against. Have you ever heard us talk about stuff we stand against? I'd challenge you. Think about that. What do we, now, we stand against evil and sin. That's about it. But what we talk about is what we stand for. Because I got, I got a great story for you. It says that greater is he that's in me than any story I could come up with on the planet. Right? Greater is he that's in me than the one that's in this world. Why talk about the negatives and draw lines between me and other people's beliefs? We're all on a spiritual plane. Let's figure out what we all agree on and march ourselves toward that. Amen? It's good stuff. Let's share, share our church. Listen to what Luke 23 in the living, or Luke 14, 23 in the living Bible says this. Go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house may be full. You know what? He's not just talking about a church. He's referring to a temple at that time. But what he's really talking about is the same house that he says, hey, I'm, I'm fixing to leave and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, one of these days I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. That's, that's the house he's talking about. He's saying, let's, let's do some spiritual fishing. Let's convert some people's hearts and souls. Let's follow the Spirit to a place where we can share the hope that we have, that we can share our, our church, that we can be a part of what people's lives or how people's lives are changing for Jesus. Three quick ways. I'm going to go fast on this. Here, here's what I always say. If you want to take a step and say, okay, how can I invite somebody to church? You know, those are our, that's the first of our three goals for the remainder of this year. One of them is invite three people to come to church with you. So the first thing to do is pray for them. Pray. Prayer does something supernatural. Can I just be honest with you? I, I have not got prayer figured out because I used to believe that prayer was an exchange of like my time and effort for God to do something. That's what I used to think prayer was. But what I found out was God is sneaky. Do y'all know that? He tells us to pray, and I'm praying for people. God, help them to see that you're the truth. You just make their heart soft so I can speak to them, and I'm all about this person. Meanwhile, you know what God's spirit is doing in my life? He's changing my heart for them. He's giving me a love for them. He, he's giving me insight into how to speak to them, their language. The same way his spirit spoke to me, his spirit is leading me to speak their language to them, to draw them to me. So pray for them. It'll change the way you see people's lives. Pray for them. The second one is show them you care. Can I get a big amen on that? Show them you care. The saying is true. People. Do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know that it says in Scripture that Jesus drives people to heaven through torture and torment. Maybe, maybe it doesn't say that. What it does say, though, is that his loving kindnesses lead us back to him. 
In fact, it's, it's when we get so desperate in our lives that we understand. Jesus said not to get me. He's out to get me. That makes sense. He's not out to get me this way. He's out to get me. He's got a plan for my life. He loves me. He cares for me. So pray for them. Show them you care. And number three, invite them to join you at a service. Invite them to come with you. How about this? Since our goal, our goal is three people in a year. Why not? So there's 52 services. Why not just our little saying just be three out of 52? How about that? Hashtag three out of 52. Hashtags are kind of old, aren't they? How about just three out of 52? Just three times a year. Three times a year. Just work on bringing somebody with you. Hey, I would love for you to come tomorrow, check it out. Friends Day, for example. Two, two great opportunities coming up. How about this? Uh, August 12th, we start a new series. When you walk in, the entire lobby wall out there is going to have a big I found and a blank in Jesus all the way across that wall. And then we're going to have cards and all the seats. And throughout that month, we're just going to fill in the blank. What I found in Jesus, hope, healing, strength, peace, thousands of things. And, excuse me, over the whole month, that wall will grow. We'll, we'll put those cards on the wall and that wall will grow. And people will get to see throughout the week on our social media. You can share it, all that kind of stuff. What you have found in Jesus yourself. Do you think that may be a great series to invite somebody to come and just hang out? Every week of that series, you're going to get to hear a, a video testimony of somebody's life in our church that has changed, and their story is, okay, we are the Morrises, and we found this in Jesus. Let us tell you about it. They can tell you a two or three-minute story about that. It'll be an incredible month. At middle of September, we're doing Friends Day like we did last year. We'll have food trucks and fun stuff. It's going to be a fun day. It will be great. I'm going to be in uh, you know, a tutu and a rainbow wig, and we're going to have lots of fun. Y'all don't believe that for a second, do you? I am way too manly for a tutu, all right? Just telling you. We're going to do lots of fun that day. We're going to, and the whole reason, so you can invite your friends. So it's a good opportunity. Come let them, let them experience what you get to experience every week. Let's fill a seat. Let's fill a stringer. The last one is this. Maybe the hardest until you get this part is to share Jesus. You're going to share your hope. That's a, that's a casual conversation. You can share your hope. You can tell people about, hey, man, did I ever tell you the way I used to be in college? Yep. Did I tell you the way I used to be in high school? Or what? Draw a little contrast. Did I ever tell you when I met Jesus? That kind of thing. Draw a contrast. The second one is to, man, if you ever want to experience a great church, life-giving church, a church that talks about what we believe in, not what we just don't believe in, come to South Point. That's, that's number two. But the third one, they may not have the opportunity, and you may have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. And I'm going to give you three steps for that. Y'all know, pastors, we got to have three of everything, right? It's three points on each point. All right, here we go. Number one, let them know this. God loves you. God loves you. Is that difficult? Do you have to be a theologian for that? Not at all. Let them know that God loves you. You know how I know that? Because Jesus himself said that in John 3, or you could even say somewhere in the book of John. How about in the Bible somewhere it says? Look it up later. Jesus said himself, do you know that God loved you so much that he gave his only son so that if you'll put your faith and your trust in him, that you will actually never die, that your life will live on in eternity. This is just the beginning, this physical world. God's got a big plan for us all. God loves you. Second one, God has an incredible plan for your life. Have you ever heard anybody from this state say these things? God has an incredible plan for your life. 
John 10, 10, I've, I've said the scripture a thousand times because it's one of my favorite. It's one of those that I never heard before I was a Christian and that my first book to read as a Christian was the book of John. I remember calling my cousin the night I read John 10, 10 and said, where has this been my whole life? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you ever felt that in life? Talking to your friends, sharing Jesus, you know? Have you ever felt like evil is just here to wreck your life? Jesus actually says that. But Jesus said he has come to give you life and life to the fullest. Not just existing, not just going day to day, not just working nine to five or nine to nine, however you do that. Not just that, but to give you real fulfilling life. God has a plan for your life. Amen? God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And the last one is this. He's just waiting for you to open the door. How many hundreds of times, if you've been at South Point for the last 10 years, how many hundreds of times have you heard me reference this? Revelation 3. It's one of the greatest analogies in Scripture. Jesus said this, I'm just standing at your door, the door of your heart. And every now and then, I, hey, you ready? You ready? Hey, I'm out here. I'm not leaving you. I don't care what you did Friday night. Can't do anything bad enough to make me leave. I'm here forever. I love you. I got a plan for your life. I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll open your heart's door, I will come in and the, the scripture says I will have a meal with you. I will supper with you. And that is the definition in the Hebrew culture. Literally, look it up. Have a meal with you means to begin a relationship with you. That if, I, if I liked you enough that I'll let you through my front door, we would sit down and say, you want to you eat something? I have to decide right there. Do I want a relationship with this person? Jesus said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll have a relationship with you. I'll, I'll change that life. I'll show you how much I love you. I'll show you that I have a plan for you. Do you understand, church, when we have a little bit of information like this, when we have a little bit of information, we can fill the stringer of our church. We can, we can share the gospel, the good news. That's what it's all about. That's what this message is about today. The whole theme of this summer has been to learn to follow the Spirit better. That's our goal. Let's Whatever subject we talk about, let's learn to follow God's Spirit better. Let me just tell you, in following God's Spirit, there's probably nothing more important than sharing what He did in your life with somebody else's life. You taking that to the next step. Let's, let's please don't be a church where we just get saved and we wait in the Jesus bus till He comes back and gets us, right? Let's take some people with us. I have, I have some friends that don't know Christ that I love them. I have some family members that we pray for all the time. We love them. They don't know Jesus. That's part of our goal in life. I want to put them on the stringer. Amen? It's scary. I don't want to get in the water. I don't want to reach down in that hole. But if it, if it involves following God's spirit and sharing what he's done in my life, I don't have to know the whole Bible. I'm just going to share what he did in my life. Then I believe that God will use everybody in this room as part of his divine plan in somebody else's life. Amen. How many want that? How many want, say, God used me in somebody else's life? Come on, let me see your hand. How many, you want that? God's looking. He's writing your name down right now. I believe he's going to do that in our lives. That's what we've been praying for this week. God, use your word, this message as a catalyst. Give us a hunger for fishing, for people. Give us a hunger for the lost. Let us just share what God's done in our life so that others could come experience what we've experienced. It does me good to think back to the B.C. Scott and how miserable he was, how alone he was, how 
insecure, angry, all the things above. It's so great. This week we had our video shoot was all set up right here. We videoed those stories. And I got to help coach those stories. Well, tell us about this. Tell us about this again. I want to hear that again. That was awesome. Tell me again. We got several times people would tell their stories. And you know why? Because it reminded me that God is still doing this all day, every day. He's saving people's lives. Incredible stories of God reaching into people's lives through somebody else and changing their life. Let me pray for you. Lord, I love you so much today. I thank you for your grace mercy and your love for us I pray that you would help each one of us Lord to have a heart to fish for people to have a heart to share the hope that we have maybe an opportunity to invite somebody to come and share a service with us and the greatest opportunity Lord if we get to share you we get to share what you've done in our lives how you love us and you have a plan for us how you're waiting at the door of our friends and our family, ready to change their lives forever. With your eyes still closed, your heads bowed for just a minute, I want to pray one more prayer, one more quick prayer. Just a prayer of dedication, a prayer of commitment. Really, it's a prayer to open a door, the door of our heart. If you sit in here today and you hear all of this message and you go, yeah, but I'm not even a Christian. I'm not a believer. I've just been checking this out and I've been kind of kicking the tires and watching it and seeing how it goes. Can I give you an opportunity today to open the door and invite Jesus in? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up front or ask you to stand or embarrass you in any way, but I just want to pray with you. I want to pray that God would do what his word says, that he would come in, forgive you of your sin, and he would build a relationship with you for the future. If that's you and you say, Scott, that's me, just remember me when you pray because I'm going to open the door today and let Jesus come into my life. If that's you, will you just give me a quick wave? Let me know that I'm making that decision today. Wait just a second. You know, a couple times a month, we'll have somebody raise their hand. But today, nobody has raised their hand. And I'm going to ask another question of all of us before I pray how many would ask that the Lord would help you be a part of somebody else's life change in the future would you raise your hand and say Lord help me Lord help me thank you Jesus thank you put your hands down just looking across here so many hands go up overwhelming that many people were to move from darkness to light from death to life. Lord, we pray for your will, your will in our lives. This entire series is devoted to following you, Jesus, following your spirit. And I pray that you would empower each one of us, lead us, guide us, give us a burden, a heart for the lost. Help us to understand the lost sheep story, the lost coin, the lost son, and how important that is for you. Teach us to be fishers of men and women. Lord, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Listen, for the next few, three, four minutes, we're, our prayer team's going to come to the front and we're going to sing another song. And I just want to encourage you, of all days, today would be a great day to find one of our prayer team members and go, listen, I have a name. Just share a first name or I have a co-worker. I want you to join with me in prayer. There's some power in numbers, folks. And just say, we, can we just pray a short prayer that God would give me opportunity and courage to share the hope that I have. Amen.
God bless you. Would you stand up and let's sing this together?